Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's that time again. It's Sex and Science Hour. Let me check it? my watch. Yeah, I actually wear a watch. Well, you love watches. You're I, like you're like Dick Tracy over there with your watch or Inspector you. Gadget. Does Dick Tracy have a watch, or did I just get that totally no, wrong? No, no, no. He has a watch. In okay. fact, I, I think uh, you know not not to get into a story out of the gate, but um, talking about dicks here on Sex and yeah. Science, Hour, of course, right out the gate, of course. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he he wore what I think is really the future of communications. He wore a radio watch. That had a built-in two-way cool. radio in it. Yeah. yeah, that's useful to have. Totally, absolutely. It's always helpful when you can have a, a secret thing in your watch. It is nice, but I will say, mine's just a calculator watch. I do not like these um, accessories known as uh, smart watches today. Oh my god! Can I just say? cool points for that right. <laughs> like yeah. you having a calculator watch what is is one of many a multitudes of sexy things about you thank you thank you very much <laughs> i just think that is so cool i use a calculator all the time <laughs> i use too. an app on my phone i use a calculator on my computer and i use the calculator right built into my brain absolutely what's your favorite calculator app do you just use one that comes with the phone oh just whatever the stock yeah. one yeah neocal i'm a huge fan neocal what does Neo-Cal. it do it, well, the nice thing is, is that you can flip through different calculators. Like when Ooh. you bring up a programming calculator or yeah, a fraction that's cool. calculator, those are great. I love those. Fraction calculators, th- like that was the ultimate cheat tool. I remember when I was like <laughs> 12 or 13 or something, it's like, wait a minute, they sell calculators that can do fractions? <laughs> you know, and man, that was those are so badass. So what is it? Like you can put stuff in parentheses, basically? Yeah, do, yeah, like yeah, you can do all the cool. all the fraction. You can just like you can multiply fractions, and you can set it up and do the two level. You know, oh, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, that's good. Big fan. Did you of ever that. have one of those TI eighty six graphing calculators that everybody had? Yeah, of course you did because yeah. everybody had them. Who who's our age? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the kids like don't know what we're talking about. Back in our day, we had these graphing calculators. They're still due to government regulation. Like they're they're still the required. Thing to use in schools they're still very popular oh really yeah. so kids still have those that's really interesting because i was thinking this is almost like the perfect device because it's not connected to the internet oh, you know best. it's not really a target unless it's i don't think it really stores any information even on it so how could you 
hack it because it doesn't store anything. Well, it has a bit of RAM, but yeah. A tiny bit. I mean, just a tiny little bit. It's a big thing. You know, it's definitely bigger than a smartphone, more like one of those cell phones from the 1980s, you know, that were so big they yeah, took up yeah, your yeah. whole face. But, I mean, that had its advantages, too, because if you have big fingers, you know, you can just leisurely kind of type out the things that you want to calculate. And they had games that you could play on them. I know. And you could only get the games by connecting with a physical cable to someone else who had the game. So it became like a commodity in the schools. I remember hooking up these cables to other kids and getting like, there was a game called like Drug Cartel or something. Remember that one? Where you you were like the kingpin of a drug cartel and you had to get the most cocaine or something. It was really not a game that I would say is super appropriate for kids. Some kid probably got that from their dad or something or... Yeah, I was, and then uh, it made its way through the uh, seventh graders. You know, <laughs> no, I was definitely linking Game Boys. Uh, you know, playing a little Pokemon. I, oh, I Pokemon that was Blue cool too. When day, you could but... link up your Game Boy. Oh my god. Yeah. But oh, now I, I we're just going up. down memory lane. This I, I is so cool. Yeah. You know, I've seen people actually generate Bitcoin private keys on those TI eighty sevens. Like somebody we know, Matt Whitlock, actually wrote a program. And I don't know how he did this because he must have had to go back to some ancient dinosaur programming language <laughs> to even write this script. But he wrote some program that lets you um, generate a Bitcoin key pair on one of those TI-87 calculators. And it's it's great. But the problem is the only way you can get it is by interfacing with another physical calculator. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I mean, I don't want to go into this because it takes a little while to explain. But mm-hmm. I mean, people still there are a lot of people that still say that. Uh, creating like encryption schemes effectively or keys with with a TI, you know, 87, 88, whatever the latest model is. Uh, a lot of people still do that. I mean, that's that's a that's a trick. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we're going to talk about encryption, too. But just real quick, I, I want to talk about my own TI-87. I still have a calculator like that. But the problem is that's so hot. it's probably hot as in radio not stolen but radioactive hot because (laughs) i use that calculator all throughout my phd and it was sitting on my lab bench and then i took it home and i i didn't care about i touched it with gloves i touched it who knows what i had touched before that (laughs) and then i took it home i think it's still in a plastic bag because it might be contaminated with something and i guarantee it's contaminated we have a biological weapon (laughs) we have no don't say that i don't want (laughs) whoops (laughs) No, we don't. I'm pretty sure it's not dangerous because it hasn't killed us yet and it's been sitting in our home, but it's yeah. probably contaminated with some, it's probably not the cleanest thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> because it's been in uh, academic research labs. So, but it was my friend throughout my PhD. You know, I definitely use that calculator every day. No, I didn't. I should have given it a name. Yeah. Oh, a little calcy or whatever. What's your favorite number? <laughs> my favorite number? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go seven. Hmm. 58,008 for me. Why is that your favorite number? When you flip the calculator upside down you and you type that out. Oh, boobs. It says boobs. Oh. <laughs> Easily my favorite See, number. See, that's not fair. You were thinking about that answer. Well, it's, I know it. <laughs> Everybody expects 69 or something. It's like, no. You know, oh, God. That reminds me. Uh, we're, we are going to talk about encryption in just a minute here. But yeah. back in like fourth grade, I had a, just a simple Casio wristwatch. And I... 
I used to like when it was 11.34 a.m. because I'd look at my watch upside down and it said, hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love and I felt numbers. like I was maybe sticking it to the man a little yeah. bit. Oh, God, it's so nerdy. Um, <laughs> you just add the zero and it says hello. And, you know, but yeah. Yeah. And then 58,008, of course, spells boobs when you put it upside down in right. a calculator. <laughs> boobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can also make some variations on that, like just boob or... Yeah, Bob. or there was like, it was, what was it? You could do boobless. Oh, boobless. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, which that oh was, well, anyway. This is really a trip back to remember the lane. <laughs> but apparently fourth graders are not the only ones who engage in this. We just watched this video to this week because we were doing research for Conspirathon, which we are have been recording with Brett Vinat from the oh. School Sucks Project. Yeah. Um, Conspirathon is a series, an ongoing series where we discuss uh, various conspiracy conspiracy theories. Schoolsucksproject.com if yep. you want to find those. You can hear all the previous Conspirathons that are out, and they are great. People love those shows. We get great feedback yeah. on them. So hopefully we can cross-promote that a little bit with Sex, Sex and Science Hour. But um, during this Conspirathon, we watched this video with Brett where... And I had never heard of this before. This is how deep the rabbit hole goes. This guy was looking at the film Back to the Future... Or right. Back to the Future 2. Yes. And finding these hidden 9-11s and alleging that the tower, the pines or the towers in the Twin Pines Motel where there's a Muslim terrorist mall. attack. Oh, the mall. Excuse yeah. me. The, the t- pines actually represent the Twin Towers. And then there's this later scene in the next movie where you have to flip it upside down. <laughs> But it looks like the Twin Towers are falling in New York City and the director was warning people about it. Now... Why you would warn something, why you would warn people about something if you knew an event that was going to happen, a deadly event that was going to happen down to the day, why you would warn people about it through a very hazy, you know, very coded movie that can't even be figured out and interpreted until 15 years after the event occurs. Yeah, I mean, there's no way like that you could. Like, yeah, who would have gotten that before? But anyway, this person was alleging that the director of the Back to the Future movies knew that 9-11 was going to happen, and he planted all these symbols and these 9-11s in the movie, and one of them was two stopwatches that the professor had where he was holding them, and they the stopwatches, if you flip them upside down, say 9-11, and then there's like a sign on the street that says Motel 9 or something like that, and then there's two stripes, and it looks like 9-11. And yeah, and they're like, it, it was, was Libyans pretty, attacking or you know, Muslims. And yeah, it's a stretch. I mean, it, yeah. it was weird that Robert Zemeckis, who made, you know, Back to the Future 2, it was weird that he made that movie later on in October 2015, which came out. That was that, about the Twin Towers. Yeah, that was, that was a the little Twin weird. Towers, called The Walk, I think. The line the or, or, the, or the, oh, maybe it was The Walk. I think it was The Walk. Cause it's the about Wire, a guy, that's the what wire. it was. The Wire. because yeah, <laughs> it's about a guy doing a walk. Yeah, do it was, this uh, mouth to tape, folks. Right. And they, they pretty much, like, they dressed up, uh, what's his name? Uh Marty McFly. Yeah. Well, Marty. Like, Marty McFly and the no, main uh, character. Oh, yeah, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon yeah. yeah. He, he. They dressed him up just like Marty McFly in Back to the Future Two. I'll admit that that was like strange. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, as a guy who is a, a dilettante in the matters of symbolism and all of this, and like hiding Easter eggs and all that, which I am, <laughs> I do it throughout everything I do. I would totally do that. I would if I had the stroke that Robert Zemeckis has. 
I I would make a movie that that would look like something out of one of my older films from the future if that future date was something that I could make a movie within. Just to troll people. Just to mess with Absolutely. everybody. I would I, do that. I in believe a that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> you would do that. <laughs> right. So you know, if I would do it, it stands to reason someone else might might as well just do that. I wouldn't do it out of some like nine eleven warning or you something. You gotta make life interesting, you know. I yeah, mean, have fun with it. So anyway. Uh, so we've gone on more tangents and sines and cosines, perhaps, than a graphing calculator <laughs> in a eighth grade math class. But let's get back on track and talk about actually encryption, which is what we were going to start off and open the show up with. Yeah, encryption that actually works on like Robert Zemeckis hiding the truth about 9-11. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So what encryption actually works? Because there's been all this talk about it lately. Of course, you know, there was the high profile application. It's just in the news a lot and you know there's apps that have just the pop, popular messaging apps whatsapp right. viber and what, what were some of the other ones well there's a bunch line telegram i mean well telegram was based around around an encryption mm -hmm. system but uh, whatsapp basically just rolled out encryption and that's a very popular text mes messaging app and there's other apps that have encryption built in by default and it seems like this is something that people want and the companies that make these apps are actually responding to that, maybe, and uh, putting it in by default in a way that's easy for people to use. Yeah, I think this is... Is that is... a very overly optimistic interpretation or... <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's fair. I mean, there's been cases like in South Korea uh, where there was a, a popular texting app there that effectively the South Korean government said, okay, we want access to every text message that gets, you know, that gets used through it. Mm. And... In droves, millions of Koreans started using Telegram. Now, I'm not saying Telegram is the best thing out there, but the point is, is that, yes, people are concerned about their privacy. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, that, that's a fine thing. Um, I think a lot of this, yeah, a lot of this is coming out of after the news of, you know, Apple standing up against the FBI, which really I, I think was just a marketing ploy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you I, talked about that extensively on your show, Sovereign Tech. So if people want to hear a discussion about that, yeah, they can go to Sovereign Tech. Absolutely. Um, so, But I think this is something that really came out of, uh, you know, I, I, things like Bitcoin, some of these other cryptographic technologies and all that, they really came to prominence, especially after the Snowden leaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I've talked about for a while that I think, you know, there's this rise of a crypto economy. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, you know, that's, that's coming up. And this is kind of a, this is that coming to a reality, I think. Um, but this week, which was, I mean, the WhatsApp thing, everybody talked about the WhatsApp news because, oh, you know, a billion people or however many people, it's a very popular app used around the world before Facebook bought it out. It was popular, uh, you know, that they put in Moxie Marlin spikes, um, Exolotl or the signal people know the app signal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the signal protocol of encryption into WhatsApp. Awesome. I think that's that's wonderful. It's called axolotl. Do you know what an axolotl is? It's, it's actually a it, really cute lizard. It's a salamander. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's there's actually really like and it's one that I think if you cut off its limbs or something, it grows back like it's it's a oh, fitting name. Yeah. For for what, uh, you, you know, for the resiliency of the the axolotl protocol. Right on. Yeah. Um, so. Anyway, so WhatsApp put it into their thing. Of course, I think that's all just, you know, a honeypot for Facebook or whatever. But now a lot of other apps are getting in on the game. Uh, Viber recently announced, and Viber has a billion users. Viber mm. is this, if people don't know what Viber is, it's a Skype. It's a complete Skype alternative. Mm. As in, you can do video calls. I mean, anything you can imagine you do on Skype, you can do with Viber. Right. Uh, and maybe even a little bit more. And 
so they they, they I, love you know i have viber i've downloaded it but i've never used it and you know why because no one i had no one to use it with right yeah well that's the thing with a lot of these platforms. i'm glad to hear they have a billion users but where are my friends <laughs> yeah i had like one client in the past that wanted to talk via viber and so i had it then but once that client was over like i deleted it i just i, I don't really care that's some shady shit right there that is shady <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really not because the thing is encryption should be just come standard it should just come standard with any communications protocol don't you agree i i agree completely but i am worried about how some of these are putting in encryption like what are you worried about well i'm with with viber they made their own encryption scheme like their uh, own encryption protocol and so how do you know if it's really and encrypted if it's not open source and it's right? not open source either even though they said it was an open source protocol so what do you use if you want to communicate encryptedly or securely yeah i i recommend the signal app is definitely the best one out there okay Um, really all of the others are questionable some people bring up threema but it's closed source so i wonder about that even though it has had a third-party independent audit um but yeah pretty much signal and pgp and pgp can be done on a mobile device very easily now with open um, open keychain and canine mail if you put those two together on an android device i mean it's it's great oh cool uh, and All pgp right. allows for anonymity yeah. yeah right on well there's brian sovereign's recommendations the tech guy about encrypted communications yeah i keep it simple you know i i don't I don't agree. use a bunch of these i mean like some of them i like i like line line messenger's great and if you're like in japan or something you pretty much have to use it but best stickers have to say yeah it's a lot of fun <laughs> <There's> my contribution <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> auditing uh, the stickers yeah but just signal pgp keep it really simple don't don't fall for all these people saying oh yeah we're encrypting everything now and, and you don't know what they're doing well it's become a trend so right which that's good we hate trends on Sex and Science Hour. We're total hipster right. uh, wannabes uh, <laughs> sitting here with our graphing calculators. Yeah. <laughs> and our pocket protectors and our Casio calculator watches. More coming up. Oh, did you miss us? Oh, we're back this is, already. This is getting old. I have to find something to put in that spot. We'll plug in some good you stuff. know, it's everything in life is like like a work in progress, right? We we just started up the show after a long hiatus, and it feels really good to be back. But yes. it's we're already having challenges and being able to <laughs> complete it. So you know, we're just doing the best we can, and definitely, it's been kind of a soft launch. Like some of our <laughs> some of our things are still not ready or completed yet. We're still working, for instance, on our iTunes feed, but we do have a RSS feed that you can subscribe to. And we have a functional website where you can go and listen to the show. Yeah. Um, now, I don't, there's, honestly, there is not much extra on the website that is not just offered by our SoundCloud page, but there will be more stuff on the website eventually. Yes. I got to add like a contact us form to it and some other links to our other projects and things like that. But uh, sexandsciencehour.com is working. You can also send us email at show at sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah. And also your email and we'll eventually talk about it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if we like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're also on uh, Google Play Music just rolled out their podcasting solution, which isn't too bad. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And we're on that. We, we How were long on that. till we get kicked off? Well, we're set. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard people have gotten kicked off, but there's a you can check box where it says explicit mm-hmm. and you know, I, like so, we do have the explicit rating, on right? There, right? We have the explicit Ooh, rating, badass. and so I don't, if you have that, what what are they going to kick you off for? 
Good anyway. question. I mean, they could kick you off for, for anything they want, I guess. That's true. Right? Isn't that always the case when you use someone else's service that they could literally terminate your terminate your relationship at any time they please? That happened yeah. to me a few times with various services that I've used. But anyway, um, they could just munch you down. They could just chow down on you like Jaws. They could just bring down the crushing. I'm trying to segue into our next <laughs> next article. Where are you going? It with is this? really not working. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, just going to say, <laughs> hey, Brian, there is some new evidence that suggests our limbs and fins evolved from fish gills. We have fins? Well, not all of us have fins. <laughs> and have you checked lately to find your gills? Maybe they're inner gills. We, inner gills. The, I have oh, to tell man. you an inside baseball story. So the reason that this article was so cool and the headline grabbed my attention was because, Brian, I like to do yoga. You, once in a while, will join me for I a yoga, yoga class. You, yeah. yeah, once in a while. But, you know, you're a little bit of a beginner to yoga. And, yes. you know, definitely... When I was first starting out doing yoga, um, you hadn't had much experience with it at all. Right. And I said, hey, one night, let's do a yoga class together. And you said, all right, let's do a yoga class. So I put on a yoga class. <laughs> I subscribed to uh, Yoga Download and I stream classes from there. It's great. Um, and I put on a class by a relatively famous yogi named uh, Shiva Ray. And Shiva Ray. Shiva Ray is pretty famous. Um, you know, she's. She's a yoga guru. Okay, well, what can you say? But she's one of those very uh, popular ones. And I think there are lots of great yoga teachers who are not very famous. Uh, She is one of those who happen to get really famous. I don't know exactly how, don't know that much about her. But the class was um, being promoted as like, hey, this is a great class because it's taught by this awesome teacher. I said, okay, I put it on. Then it got weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um. It was, she wasn't even really doing poses in this particular class. Yeah, she wasn't class. really directing you at all. It was very strange. She was kind of just telling you to like undulate and move your spine and using all of this very just do what feels good. poetic language that was very hard for us to follow being sort of like beginners. I don't know. Maybe we haven't attained that level of enlightenment yet or something, <laughs> but I'm not Gotta sure. Gotta check my chakras. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. They're, maybe they're a little bit cloudy or yeah. something or you need to detox your body. But, uh, but then she started talking about swimming through an ocean of energy with your inner gills absorbing it or something like that yeah and once she said inner gills like i couldn't take we kind of lost it at that point what the hell (laughs) my inner gills inner gills all right yeah i I mean i get it we've all evolved from fish but that doesn't mean that i'm having trouble finding those inner gills you know yeah (laughs) i'm pretty sure i have lungs right (laughs) so yeah that i just got kind of lost at that point and then we just kind of started laughing at it i mean it was you know it gave us some stress relief from laughing but uh that was really not exactly my style sure (laughs) i like a little more concrete kind of yoga class like something a little more based in reality maybe yeah so but the reality of our hands or whatever else apparently maybe we really do have inner gills maybe shiva (laughs) ray had more she was tapping into the universal wisdom of the the akashic record yes the the uh collective consciousness here yeah (laughs) We have this article from Gizmodo by Jennifer Wallet. 
And she's saying that this inner gills thing might be kind of true. So here we go. Over a century ago, scientists discarded a proposed theory that human limbs evolved from gills, given the lack of evidence in the fossil record. That theory is being revisited in the light of new genetic results just published in the journal Development. Human beings inherited many features from creatures that lived hundreds of millions of years ago, and we still carry those genetic imprints. Our hands, for example, evolved from prehistoric fish fins. I'm making a little fish well, face. No, it, like there's it's a little fish face. <laughs> and so, wait a minute. And scientists can trace our skin and teeth to prehistoric reptiles. Brian, do you still uh, have any uh, reptilian skin features that you like to talk about? Or I don't. Uh, Brian has been accused of being a lizard in the past, a yes, lizard Jew or something. Jewish ethnicity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can learn. And more, now he jokes about it. Learn and more about it. He's not really a lizard. Don't no. worry. <laughs> <laughs> All this and more can be learned about in Conspirathon. <laughs> anyway, um, well, you know, but this is interesting because like uh, dolphins, right? When you x-ray a dolphin in their fins, doesn't it look like hands? It does. There are any fish pretty much with right. their fins. They look like hands. And bats, too. You know, their wings look like fingers. Yeah. So there there, there are these, uh, I guess you'd say, evolutionary traces of, of uh, well, commonality. You, you know, yeah. Or, or... And then, you know, I, I learned this thing. In high school biology class, I remember the teacher saying that basically like an embryo, the stages of development that an embryo goes through, no matter what kind of embryo it is, if it's a human embryo, it starts out looking like these lower life forms. Basically, hmm. you have an embryo that kind of like at first it looks like a tadpole and then a, a, a fish and then it looks maybe like more like a mammal or a mouse or something like that. And then it starts to look more human. We're all connected, man. (laughs) The idea was that basically an embryonic, an embryo as it's developing, recapitulates the stages of different types of animals. And it's kind of a weird idea because you're not a different type of animal, right? It's uh, it's called ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. That was the basic, that was the, the catchphrase and then the idea behind it. Wow. But then that was proven to be basically bullshit. You know, <laughs> it's not really true. Like so many things we learn in high school, uh, it's not really, it's not really holding up to the evidence. But maybe... You know, this whole Gill thing is uh, is bringing back that theory just a little bit. So, well, that's interesting. I mean, because I think, you know, like I remember Darwin, you mm-hmm. know, when you actually read The Origin of Species and don't read the entire title of that, actually, it's a uh-huh. much longer title and it's very creepy. Uh, but The Origin of Species. What's creepy? about it like it, it it sounds very like eugenic and racist oh, like hmm, uh, the, okay. the full time it's really long uh, <laughs> but anyway but if, when you read the origin of species like at the end of the book darwin admits that he has no clue how the eye came to be and just thinking about it makes his stomach sick mm. because the eye is this incredible thing and i think a lot of people wondered it's like well wait a second yeah where do fingers come from yeah uh, you know when so, some people when they question certain ideas of evolution i mean i think evolution is fact not theory mm-hmm. um but when some people question it some you know those questions do need some answers here and of course that's probably why this article got written in the first well, place. well thank you for saying that brian because that's where i wanted to go with this sure because yeah there is that thing about well how how could you have half an eye so evolution cannot be true i'm i'm sorry i don't mean to make people make fun of people who just have a hard time believing because sure. yeah it is kind of like it's good incredible right like yeah. how could you have half an eye well it's not literally like there's half an eye and no, it doesn't work because it's, it's an eye see. cut in half it's it's a primordial eye right, right. like i the eye started out in some just organisms that are very small that have just a few cells where some of their cells are photosensitive, meaning they can sense light. Right. And then, you know, you start to get 
a more developed central nervous system. So maybe you have a cluster of cells that sense light and then they're going feeding back into another cluster of cells that are um, somehow registering that sensation of light. And then the structure becomes more and more complex and you have a lens and the different parts of the eye and the the retina and, uh, you know, maybe a spherical shape to it eventually over time. So you don't literally have half an eye that doesn't work the same way our eye works, but you do have like earlier versions and earlier models of that eye. Yeah, you have like half of the ability to see. You know, not like half as we eye. do half the ability to see as we do. Right. As we do now. I mean, and that just, you know, the, the that that which could see better, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you know, had a had a serious that's, evolutionary advantage. Yeah. And that's uh, and coming that in a later version of the software or the hardware. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and it can go in different directions. Right. Like some, you know, animals have three eyelids. Right. That that blink if they need to see underwater. They have one that they can. That's a clear membrane. They can pull over their eye like reptiles. We don't have that. We just have two eyelids because we don't need it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, there's also there. What is that movie? I can't remember this. Oh, fuck. I mean, it's good. This is going to drive me crazy, but start describing it. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. There's a movie where basically it's about evolution being put on trial. It's about the, the scopes trials. Maybe. Oh. And oh, is it something wind? I don't know. Um, Inherent the wind. Is maybe. that the one you're talking about with Darrow and, or, well, anyway. I, I don't know. It's about, it's a modern version of the Scopes trial where okay. there's a high school science teacher who doesn't want to teach evolution or something like that. And they're putting evolution on trial as, is it a theory or is it a fact? Right. Right. And because courts of law do a great goddamn job of, you know, getting yeah, to the truth. They are not scientists. <laughs> it's very obvious. Um, yeah, this guy that, wears a dress. He can tell us whether or not. <laughs> sci- anyway, go ahead. Well, it's a big controversy because there was that ruling recently about talc where right. this woman got ovarian cancer. And I guess she was powdering her nether regions with talcum powder every day for like 30 years. And she got ovarian cancer. And a court determined that the talc actually caused the ovarian cancer when that maybe scientifically has not completely been solved yet. Yeah. Does talc actually cause cancer? Does it cause ovarian cancer? There's some evidence to suggest it, but is it strong enough to to put a warning on it? Eh, that hasn't really been flushed out by science. But according to the courts, yes, she got a ruling where Johnson & Johnson had to pay her for this injury, which ultimately led to her dying. These so, people should not be the arbitrators of what is so... <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really tough. So, yeah, there's definitely some discrepancies sometimes between legal rulings and precedents and scientific ones. And you could say scientifically the jury's still out, but legally it's not. But anyway, um in this movie, there were um there was evidence brought out that oh, evolution can't be true because how could you have half a mouse trap, right? A mouse trap has all these working parts, and how could you have how could a mousetrap just evolve when it has so many complex working parts? And the the uh, the attorney who was arguing for evolution actually came in with a mousetrap without the spring clipped to his tie as a tie clip. And, and he said, see, you know, even though a mousetrap has these working, all these different working parts, if you take out one part, it could still be useful, just n- not as a mousetrap, as something else. Nice. And that's absolutely true. Like, for instance, there are some bacteria that have on their surface, you know, certain surface proteins. And in one type of bacteria, they're used for burrowing into another cell and injecting DNA or something like that. But in another uh, type of bacterial cell, they're used for something else, like attaching to something or, you know, uh, fighting off invaders or something. I don't remember the specific yeah. example, but basically 
things with a lot of complex moving working parts could have other functions if you take away one of the parts or several of the parts, and they could still be useful for something and could be selected for by evolutionary forces. Yeah. Now, you know, if we have a second, uh, I think, and actually it's kind of relevant to this story in particular, that Mm -hmm. these things come from fins. There's a common, uh, there's a fish called the coelacanth. And this one, oh man, do do a lot of people that don't, don't uh, agree with evolution, they love (laughs) to bring this thing up. Uh Uh, Because the coelacanth, you know, there was fossils found of the coelacanth and it's this fish, it looks like it has arms. Right. So we're talking about here. How do you get to phalanges? How do you get to fingers? Scary, actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this thing looks like it has these giant fins that look like arms. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of ties in nicely with this. Uh, But here's the problem is that a few decades ago, they found coelacanth. They're still around. Right. They're still around. And everybody's like, wait a second. You said this was evolutionary proof of like where arms came from and this. And yet, how are they still here millions of years later when before, you you know, you you said these fossils were, you know, millions, if not older, uh, you know, of years old. And this is this is a really key point also to understand with evolution is that things don't evolve at the same speed. Things take mm-hmm. can can evolve at different times, you know, different lengths of time. Like the coelacanth, okay, they haven't evolved any further in millions of years. That doesn't mean that they're not going to eventually evolve. Well, maybe they didn't need to. Maybe something branched off from the coelacanth and said, hey, I can survive better in this environment if I have actual arms instead right. of fins. But the coelacanth was doing just fine. Some of them were doing just fine in their environment, and so they stayed as they were, right? Yeah, there, pro- <laughs> there weren't any evolutionary pressures, which makes sense because... We didn't even know they were still around. We had to find them. That's how they were hidden. <laughs> so maybe they were hidden from all kinds of things. And like I said, didn't have that evolutionary pressure. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's really... I wouldn't mess with one of those things. They look really scary. They, they are like kind of dinosaur. creepy with those giant, like these flapping arms. They have arms. big teeth, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's some vicious looking things. So that's important to bring up, too. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, now we pretty much have, you know, that the, all of this stuff came from fins. You have the coelacanth that still in many ways does represent perhaps how arms could start to evolve. And and then how, you know, how, how uh, phalanges or digits, you know, start evolving too. Yeah. It's weird. The stuff that becomes like the final structures in embryology, you know, like genitalia, for instance, we end up with, there are lots of babies. I think it's actually a th- one in a thousand live births or maybe even higher is born with ambiguous genitalia uh. because they have some developmental problem with their genitalia. Uh, like boys and girls start out with similar structures when they're embryos, but then they just differentiate and like the same tissue in the embryo that's going to become the labia in the female becomes the scrotum in the male. And the tissue that's going to become like the corpus spongiosum becomes some the urethral tissue, periurethral tissue in the female. So it's, you know, um, shit works itself out basically. Yeah. And <laughs> it's really weird when you see it in embryo, but it'll all work out in the end. That's the moral of the story. All comes out in the wash, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it might take a little time, but eventually. <laughs> yep, very scientific. Yeah. So, Brian, um, bad news for vegans and vegetarians. Did you know that plants actually know that they're being eaten and oh. they they can sense that they're being eaten? What? Which kind of makes sense, because if you're a plant, you don't want to give up your leaves, right? Leaves are very important. They're like your solar panels for gathering energy. So yeah. you want to keep those leaves. You might want to give up your fruit, because then something would eat it and then poop somewhere and spread your seed, but... <laughs> You don't want to give up your leaves. <laughs> now, wait a second. Are you saying that they have consciousness? No, I'm not saying that they have consciousness, but I'm saying that they can sense and notice that they're being eaten and they may respond to it. Let me read you this article here, sure. also from Gizmodo by Ashley Feinberg. And this is kind of an older one. 
While it's still unclear whether or not plants can actually feel us sinking their teeth in, one thing is for certain. You can be damn well sure they're hearing it. (laughs) Okay, thanks to a new report... From the University of Missouri-Columbia, researchers have discovered that plants respond to the specific sounds caterpillars make while eating them. And what's more, the noises even prompt the plants into putting up additional defenses. We already knew that plant growth could change in reaction to certain sounds, but this is the first instance we've seen of a plant actually protecting itself from a predator's chomping specifically. Those evil caterpillars. I mean, clearly they are not vegan and... We need the war on caterpillars. Wait a minute. No, that would be a vegan diet, but (laughs) (laughs) caterpillars are, this is is a problem. Caterpillars are hurting the plants. Well. Clearly they have no morality and they're just. (laughs) Acting on instinct. Nature. Animals. It's eat or be, I'll tell you, in the caterpillar world. So the philosophical challenge here is that, you know, like vegans don't, don't eat meat because they don't want to hurt uh, an animal. Yeah. You know, uh, which. I guess they, they more or less ignore ants and all this stuff. And, yes. and of course they'll say they do, they just do the best that they can. Um, and they say in turn, well, I eat vegetables because they don't feel anything. However, based upon stimuli, they do have, uh, they have a response to it. They, they make have, more defensive chemicals when they sense that they're being, uh, munched on. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it's not just like an evolutionary thing, like where you're not supposed to eat hot foods because it developed that heat, be, you know, to keep from being eaten. Right. You know, a lot right. of plants or, or peppers work in that fashion. That's that's how they evolved. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but like it's kind of true. It's like, well, you know, what do you do now? Why? Right. Well, breatharianism. Well, there are like <laughs> fruitarians, right, which only eat fruits that have fallen off a tree. But nutritionally, I mean, that is just obviously really hard to get all the nutrition you need. And I think I would say nearly impossible, if not impossible. Now, hold on. I was told growing up that Adam and Eve were fruitarians. And well, that's all they ate. That's not the only thing that's not they true lived about hundreds the of years. Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... We're not obviously Adam and Eve, and (laughs) I think there is a. (laughs) You think it would be hot if we were? I I mean, because then that'd be a little weird. Like you're kind of. Wasn't there like maybe some incest going on there? They had to populate the whole world. Nobody. Well, you you do have a problem. Where did all those other people come from? Made from Adam's rib or something. I don't even want to think about this tangent here. Anyway, let's keep going. uh, (laughs) Not eating plants. Yeah, I mean, it brings up the line between like what is suffering and what is just a what is like pain and what is just a response to a stimulus that is just that a response yeah you know what i mean because like so for example if you cut the head off of a snake we've been watching this reality show called naked and afraid and a lot of people are living in the jungle it's these survivalists have to live in a jungle or an island or whatever for three weeks a lot of them kill snakes for food and they'll cut the head off and both parts of the snake are still moving (laughs) yeah right and admittedly some vegans have survived all 21 they have to survive 21 days in the jungle there have been a few vegetarians and one one vegan that did survive she survived yeah she made it and thrived actually yep there was a male who did that too he was vegan he wouldn't even eat a bug yeah he wouldn't eat a locust that was how bad he that was how vegan he was (laughs) but um anyway so you know animals move and like 
some animals, they'll cut the heads off or whatever, and the animal is clearly dead. But when you put it on the fire, the muscles contract and it looks like the animal is moving. The body of the animal is moving. Yeah. And people freak out when they see that because they're like, oh, my God, it's feeling pain. Well, no, it's not actually suffering or feeling pain. Its head isn't attached. It's just that its muscles are contracting from the heat and it looks like it's moving and it looks a little bit maybe... Uh, it freaks you out. <laughs> yeah. But if you know what's actually going on, you know that that animal is not suffering. And also they're in a situation where they really need food. And what are they going to do? It's a survival thing. And so, you know, what what is actually pain and suffering? Well, I would say the animal has to have a pretty developed brain and neurological system and a consciousness suffering is like the expectation of pain right so yeah. that's even a higher cognitive function right right you could feel pain that's one thing but suffering is like oh my god i'm in pain and i and it's going to continue and what am i going to do oh shit you know that's that's like a kind of a, a different thing and so yeah there's know. there's reaction to like there's instinctual reactions mm -hmm. which are very different from a cognitive, like a full-on cognitive function. Yeah, you know? and, absolutely. And so I think, I think people get tend to get confused by that. But there is just a general idea among humans that we don't eat smart animals, right? Like we I don't wrestle with this all the time. Mm -hmm. I really do. Like, uh, you know, do I eat cephalopods? Do I eat dolphins? Do I eat monkeys and all this stuff? And generally, no, I I don't. Uh, what's this? What's cephalopod? Or cephalopod? Or, I uh, thought that was like mollusks and stuff. Oh, I, I'm trying <laughs> to think. You know, like uh, octopi. Oh, octopi. Oh, yeah, they are. They are cephalopods. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Like, like there's there's debates on their level of intelligence. Octopus sushi is a little maybe iffy for me, but it is for me. The lines are blurry. Anyway, we'll be back. This is Sex and Science Hour. Hey, Brian. Um, We're probably going to get questions on that last segment, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it is vegetarianism and diet. We're not telling anyone what to eat. Do what you want. We're not trying to. We're not trying to say that you should do anything, right? We're not trying to say you should be a vegetarian or you should be a meat eater or whatever. We're just talking about something that we think is interesting there's yeah. no prescription here right? <laughs> yeah but it is important i mean you know i mean people take veganism very seriously well you know understand right. the science behind that might everything give you that a you're... new perspective on it right? right yeah consider that and that's that's really i think that's one of the main goals of sex and science hour is to end off with consider this <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that's my goal anyway Absolutely. and to do a fun show with my my best friend here. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My boyfriend. So, Brian, enough about that. It's time to talk about sex. All right, let's and do it. Woo. Before we do that, I want to talk to you about something related to our household. I think it's time for us to get a new mattress. You're right. And if we do that... We broke we, it last night. We, <laughs> we should definitely get a internet-connected smart mattress because what? now everything needs to be connected to the internet. From your refrigerator to your coffee pot to your toaster to your dishwasher, they need to be connected to the internet so you can just look on your phone and check your app and see if your dishes are done or how many eggs are in your refrigerator or if your coffee's on, <laughs> if your coffee pot is on, if your toaster's left on. All right. <laughs> Sell me on this. Like, okay, what does well, this mattress... Do. If you're not already sold by the fact that your mattress could be connected to the internet and it could like send data to Fitbit about when you're sleeping and stuff like that, isn't that cool? Don't you want to pay thousands of dollars extra know. and give up your privacy? How did I ever get by without it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is so Obviously, bad. we're being facetious because we think this is fucking retarded. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll let the wait, cat out of the... retarded is not politically correct. I'm sorry. I didn't... I mean, we just think this is dumb, okay? Yeah, this, this is, is really This dumb. is an idea that does not make sense, okay? It, it is <laughs> retarding innovation. Like, as yes, in, as in there we retarding go. as in slowing it, in my opinion. It is not innovation in and of itself. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll let the cat out of the bag. Internet of Things, I think, is a terrible idea. Um, but largely, I'll say this before we get into what this mattress actually does. Uh, I will say that my biggest problem with it is that I don't get to control the information. It all gets sent up to somebody else. It has a ton of middlemen. Right. And, and, and what that. are they doing with it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I could dig the idea that my mattress could give me information about having healthier sleep. But I would appreciate it if it was like in all the science fiction that led to Internet of Things from the 80s. 90s and even before if it just told me not google <laughs> you know not not apple yeah, and not, not all Microsoft. these companies who want your data and want you to be the product and pay extra for the privilege right it's, yeah exactly so what does this mattress do so this mattress has another benefit that i think is probably going to get a lot of people to fall for it Go which for is kind of sad <laughs> New smart mattresses from TechCrunch by Jordan Cook. You have much better legs than uh, than than Vanna White, by the way. But go ahead. Oh, thanks. Well, she looks awesome. She's like must be at least sixty years old. She's she looks really it. good. Yeah, but, but your anyway, legs are better. Go on. <laughs> thanks, love. New smart mattress will tell you if your partner is cheating. What? Why the hell would I buy this? <laughs> oh, I don't know when you could just talk to your partner and see if you think they're cheating or <laughs> or maybe they maybe they won't go on the mattress. Maybe see, they'll have sex with that other person somewhere else. See, this is the latest in communications. It's like, yeah, I know. I know your you know your husband won't talk to you or your wife won't talk to you, but now we can make sure that the conversation comes up on whether or not they're with someone else. Anyway, go ahead. Fail. Uh, <laughs> a mattress company out of Spain, and it's called Smartress, <laughs> is making a new smart mattress, brilliantly named Smartress, that detects we whenever the bed is, quote, in use. As you likely realize, the main purpose of this is to see if your partner's cheating on you. And the what? video promotes the smart mattress and isn't shy about that functionality. The mattress has met the mattress has sensors embedded in it to detect motion in which part of the bed is being used. <laughs> well, all right, hold on. I can, I got I have a real simple hack for this and hack in 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 the real sense of the term. Uh-huh. I would just get dogs. I'd get like 3 dogs and I would just say not not that I mean the dogs are not connected to the internet yet. No, but they could get on the mattressy and I could just say honey it was the dogs. Oh. You know what I mean? They, they were jumping up and down. They were all over the place. That that was the weight differential and all this. I mean it's so easy. Yeah, and that was the this dog is... that peed on the mattress. I'm not into water. So I'm not into that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dog cut its leg and I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, this is madness. Keep yeah, going. this is really silly. They they actually suggest in this TechCrunch article that you could just install a camera if you're really gonna like snoop on your partner to see if they're yeah. cheating instead of just talking to them about it like a normal person. Um, but you know, I just think this this is kind of silly. I mean. It brings up the idea, like, this is actually a trend. It goes way beyond a mattress. People don't trust their partners. Then there are all kinds of products that are just ready to serve them and feed their paranoia and their, well, not paranoia, because maybe they have reasons that past experiences that led them to have trouble with trust. But sure. there are all kinds of uh, services and products that purport to solve this problem, but I don't think they're actually really solving it because what would re what would really be solving it is if those people could learn to, uh, you know, 
kind of work with their partners to develop a sense of trust instead of trying to spy on them. Yeah, either communicate or perhaps like accept that, you know, being monogamish or polyamorous or something is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, you don't have to be either of those. Well, but Uh, it's one option. It's an option. You don't have to... (laughs) You don't have to accept the default contract that's given to you by society for relationships. You can make your own contract and whatever you define with your partner or partners, it could be cheating or not cheating or whatever. You have to figure that out for yourself. And yeah, the default contract is kind of convenient. A lot of people like it and so they accept it and they have no problem with that. And there's certainly good reasons to choose to be monogamous, right? And to not have any other partners besides sure. your just your one partner. There's a lot of reasons for that, like emotional stability and protection against um, diseases that are transmitted through flu- fluid exchange and things like that. And, you know, and it just is simpler, right? Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I mean, there's easier. advantages and disadvantages either way. But yeah. but you don't have to. You can do anything you want in life, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and maybe if someone else is in your mattress, that might be fine with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. This is this is so crazy. I mean, it's such a marketing scheme, and and you know, this is kind of a problem I have overall with a lot of relationships is that they are. It is all marketing to people, like even wedding rings. Mm. You know, there's an interesting uh, uh, point that if you look at photos from America, from the United States, previous to the World Wars. There's obviously married people. Nobody's wearing wedding rings. Mm. It's all it's all marketing bullshit. And it's all bullshit that 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 comes from like really like external things that don't even have anything to do with your actual relationship. Like yeah. perhaps having to go off to war and thinking you need to show that I belong to this person or something like that. Oh, all and De Beers, like the whole blood diamonds thing. Everybody knows that story yeah, about diamonds how crap. companies exploited this African resources and just made this marketing campaign around diamonds yeah. and sold Really a bill of goods. Yeah, absolutely. But now, you know, what I think is the real problem here, and this is true not just for the smart Tris, which that gets annoying. This happens all the time. Uh, there, there's these <laughs> trends in, in, in markets where you have, oh, the I everything or the E everything, like the I Mac or mm-hmm. the I, you know, whatever. Uh, I pooper. Uh, I mean, it, like they just, there's always these terms that come up. Smart is the term right now for like smart watch and yes. smart this and all that crap. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the real problem with the smart Tris is that. You know, I don't even I don't blame people. I don't I don't blame the consumer anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even necessarily blame the companies or the guy that invented the idea. I'm to the point where I am blaming VCs writ large for all of this. How crap. are VCs to blame for this? Because Tell me, Brian. They, they fund this crap. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, somebody had to give them the money to develop this smartress. Yeah. Right? Or and... somebody had to give them the money to pay uh, TechCrunch to get this advertised oh, on there yeah. because this is probably native advertising yeah. on TechCrunch's part, oh, even though they're giving it a negative. There's still people that'd be like, oh, let's get this and all this shit. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a negative article or positive article. It's that's, still a, advertising. that's a good thing. That's a good thing to point out because that's part of critical thinking is being able to identify when something has an agenda and this could very likely be because like the last sentence in this TechCrunch article is you can learn more about the smart mattress here yeah right (laughs) (laughs) even though it's not like 100% positive they're still they don't care people are going to see it and they're like ooh that's something I need 
Yeah, and they're going to buy it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's an opinion piece, obviously, from the from the, the headline. I mean, they should just say at the end of it, say, look, I'm not even going to link to this. Don't waste your time. You know, just know it's out there. I mean, it's not like it's hard for people to go find it. They can they can type in Smartress. No, it was probably part of the advertising package that they got was that TechCrunch did with Smartress that they had to put the link for the actual <laughs> Smartress in the article. Okay? Right. So but I really I am to the point where I blame all of these dumb fucks who have more money than brains that are that are funding these projects. These are so stupid. Like, I, I mean, oh man, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm done. I, I just, I'm going to stop there because I'm well, going to say something I, very hurtful. I wouldn't invest my hard-earned money in a project like that. No. I, I mean, yeah, we could, we could dispute that all we want, but really in the end, it's going to be shown by sales. Who is going to buy this? How many people are going to buy this? Is it going to be a viable product? How is the business going to be run? Is it going to be profitable? Because that's really the only thing that matters. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, part of the problem here is that, yeah, the market will speak and I hope so. And, and you know, as long as there isn't like a great lobbying thing around it. I mean, that's the thing. Well, We're not you just, just you think this is just a bad idea. It's and a it's terrible gonna, yeah. idea. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, I think the bulk of Internet of Things is a terrible idea. But these you know, the, these venture capitalists just keep tossing money into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man. You know, I don't I don't mean to get all bleeding heart and say it's like, you know, there's starving kids in Ethiopia, but there are fucking starving kids in Ethiopia. Like, how bad is it that we're creating the smartress, you know, and, and, and nobody's trying to solve hunger? Yeah. You know, it, like there's so much. Well, money there that are can get people t- who are trying to solve there hunger. There, we just did. a. <laughs> there are. We'd voiced a video recently, us together, and you can hire us for a voiceover. You can contact us, show at sexandsciencehour.com. Absolutely. And get our voices. But we actually, this was a cool project that we worked on. And we did a, this explainer video for an app called Unsung. where Unsung.org, by it's, the way. It's bas- yes, Unsung.org. It's basically a matchmaking app between people who have extra food and people who need food. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, this is there, there's a huge regulatory system oh, out there that keeps there's plenty there's of food. There's so folks. much good food that's thrown away because of, you know, scares about liability right. or just regulations that prevent it from being donated to soup kitchens, homeless shelters, exactly. whatever. And, you know, people go dumpster diving, but we could make that process better and let them know where the food is as soon as it's thrown out, you know? Yeah. Toss your lobbyists at that bullshit. Toss your money at that kind of shit. This this smart this stuff. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Like, no, there is no need for my refrigerator to run Android. <laughs> like, I love, I, I dig Android, but please, like, I, I don't need it all. Like, I remember Walt Mossberg at, at D5. He had Steve Jobs and Bill Gates on the stage. Uh, at, this is the All Things D conference. It used to be a big deal. And Bill Gates is like, oh, we're going to have a screen everywhere. And Walt Mossberg stopped him and said, Bill. Could I not have a screen in my bathroom, please? Is that all right with you? And and there was like a collective chuckle, but the collective chuckle felt like there was a chill yeah. there because people are like, holy shit, there's going to be screens be in the bathroom. In our bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people just know these are bad ideas, but they just they keep forcing or not forcing, but they keep trying to ram well, it down Well, do you your think throats. it is forcing to an extent? Because there was actually Some of it. there were ads back in the 90s for this vision of a smart home that were from Microsoft, right? Yes. And IBM, of course, has been wanting to get on this Internet of Things thing for more than 10, you know, more than a decade, maybe even right. 20 years. So do you think this is sort of by design to an extent? And what what would the reason for that be? What would the agenda be behind well, that? I, I mean, it's, you know, you can say it's 1984. The idea that it's been sure. that. I mean, Apple was the first person to say that IBM was 1984 mm-hmm. and that Microsoft was as well. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like that. that's this. I don't. 
I don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say that sort of thing. The industry itself has laid that case out. Mm -hmm. Um, And to say that it's not forced, well, that's not entirely, you know, sometimes it is. Like, yeah, when because you're a there kid, are limited channels for distribution of refrigerators and things like that. And, you know, if you can get control, so if, if you can have influence over those large channels of distribution, it might be to the point where eventually you walk into Home Depot and you can't find a non-smart refrigerator. Sure. That right. doesn't tell you how many eggs you have in it, even if you don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and to scale it back a little bit, I mean, you know, if you need like a Google account, perhaps to use some of this oh, stuff. Oh, that's Google right. Google accounts technically are optional but only technically yeah because if you have a government job or if you are a child that's going to a government school and look folks sometimes people are by law forced to go to a public school Mm -hmm. in some states yeah all right and they use uh chromebooks or even a windows uh you know like windows machines Mm -hmm. or whatever and now with windows 10 i mean yes you can get around not having a windows login but i'm sure the schools are wanting you to have that login so you can bring up all your you know all your papers and everything Mm -hmm. all your get them started early when when it becomes law for you to have a google account that is no longer uh optional yeah you know now you are being forced to have that uh so yes to some degree silicon valley of course in conjunction with governments is forcing this shit upon you uh, it, like it, it literally is forced and people don't through think about nepotism it and crony crony capitalism, yeah, it's, though, right? It's corporatism, through, yeah. corporatism. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They are just kind of in bed with governments and they're using that to get these large, huge behemoth contracts that force that kind of force people in a roundabout way to use their services. Yeah. Be it if you have a government job or if you're going to a government school. And like mm, I said, that some covers people, a lot of people, <laughs> a ton of people. You know, what are you going to do? So. This has been Sex and Science Hour. Go to our website, sexandsciencehour.com. Subscribe to our podcast feed. Don't miss a show. And tell your friends we're back. And we're sticking with it this time. Back in black? <laughs> Something like that. That works. Because you are triple black, as always, right? That's right. That's your kind of your little thing. If you want to know what that means, listen to Sovereign Tech. Yeah. But if you want to listen to us, sexandsciencehour.com, Sex and Science Hour on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, Sex Science, Sex Science Hour. Hour. Yep. Instagram. More coming up on the after show. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. I can never get enough of that music. I don't even want to talk. It's, it's like, just so let it good. Keep rocking. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to talk about our Amazon stuff, don't we? You, yeah, we're done with the show. Well, we'll relax a little bit. You yeah, know. yeah. Just chill out, and you might hear sounds. And, uh, I feel like the workday should be over, but when we're recording that, this, it is not over yet. No, it's not over. <laughs>
<laughs> so let me tell you, we just we work we work hard for the money. Do, 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 do. So hard for it, honey. Do, do, do. I don't know if that's the lyric, but anyway, that's. I thought it was. Yeah, she you're works hard right. for the money. So hard for it, honey. So you better. She works hard for the money. So you better treat her right. All right. <laughs> I'll run with it. Okay. So um, before we get into what did people get through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah. And of course, if you want to be on our after show, you can go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. You only have to do it once and then just do your normal shopping through Amazon and we will put you in the spotlight. Well, exactly. we won't put you in the spotlight because we won't know who you are. We are not spying on you like the Smartress or like Apple or Google <laughs> or Microsoft or anything like that. Yeah. We are, or even Amazon. <laughs> Because yeah. Amazon probably spies on people more than we can use Amazon as a tool to spy on people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. People never realize. I, I won't go on this tangent, but I'll just say people don't realize Amazon is the bl- number one tech giant on the planet. And they have more information about you than you could really imagine because they are following everything you buy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, we will not actually uh, track you like no. like these ones will. But... Because we don't know who bought what, but we will talk about the stuff you bought. And uh, I think it can be pretty interesting to discuss what people bought. Yeah. So I am actually preparing this right now. As always, I am like a little bit slow on this. We are on the fly. (laughs) We're doing this by the seat of our pants, but that's the way you like it. So (laughs) you can't complain. But uh, (laughs) It's better when it's kind of random, you know? I think so. Just out of nowhere, zipper comes undone and, you know. (laughs) Wow. Sorry. That escalated quickly. So, but the thing I want to say about this is... um, I actually got some stuff before we get into the stuff that people got. I actually got some stuff that I wanted to share because I thought it was really helpful for me. Oh, fantastic. So this is what I learned this week from doing research because I had this problem and I wanted to solve it. Apparently, there are about 15 to 20 percent of people who sleep on their front, not uh-huh. not on their side, not on their back. And there's, you know, advantages or disadvantages to whichever way you sleep, right? Sure. Usually sleeping on your back is thought of by chiropractors and stuff as the most healthy sleep position. But then you have the disadvantage of some people have loose tissue around their um, pharynx in their mouth and in the back of their throat, basically, and they snore. (laughs) Yes. So sleeping on your back can lead to snoring. Brian has this problem. I have (laughs) I have to admit. Well, it's not like all the time, but... It's not all the time, but usually you don't sleep on your back. But if you do sleep on your back, then it's kind of... It might it might occur without warning. Yeah, yeah, it, it might. It might. But, the only you know, warning I've, is I've that heard, there is no warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that the, the healthiest way to sleep is on your back with your knees up in the air. Like, in you, you know, your feet kind of... That, don't you think that would be hard and, to hold your feet in that position while you're sleeping? Like, that's an athletic feat. Yeah, I, I would think, but apparently that that's like the, the, the best way. And, and part of their best way that I remember in this article was gravity's effect on your skin as well as in like, you know, is this going to... Uh, oh, you, you there's know. all these people who talk about that. I think personally... Talk it's, about... It's bullshit. So th- there's a bunch of people who talk about the effects on your skin from sleeping in different positions. And there's people who even say, like, if you sleep on one side, your tits are going to sag if you're a woman to that side. (laughs) Yes. And there's people who say, there's even people who say, if you sleep on your front, it can cause wrinkles in your face. I don't 
believe that that's true. In fact, you know, maybe fluid could pool up in your face overnight because it's not, I don't know, draining to the back of your head or something. You get a little swelling in your face. And sometimes, you know, I wake up and I'm a little puffy. Sure. (laughs) But how that leads to wrinkles, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure none of us can escape from the effects of losing our collagen production and elastin production in our skin, which is what causes wrinkles, not sleeping on your freaking face. (laughs) (laughs) And I've even heard like sleeping on your front causes wrinkles and saggy tits. And I think there is a zero evidence to back that up. How would it cause saggy tits? It's like holding them up. It's like supporting them. Sorry, I... I did, yeah, I did a little visual. Uh, I'm glad we don't do this show on video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Um, I mean, right? Like, if you're sleeping on your back, maybe that would cause saggy tits because they're sagging to the sides. They're going to flop over to the sides if they're big enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, boy, people are going to hate me for taking the conversation away from this, but we got to get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, myself, like, I, I sleep either on my side or... Or I sleep uh, on my stomach, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Are your and, tits saggy? Yeah, very saggy. <laughs> now, my fear, and I had no science to back this up. This is from when I was a you know a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, so the internet barely existed. And my, like, I saw so many old people in my family mm-hmm. that had like these hunchbacks and all this stuff, you know. And, like they're really, you know, yeah. it's, it's sad to see. And I'm like, how can I prevent? It's like, what could possibly cause that? I'm like, how can I prevent this from happening? And so. I eventually learned, like, I, I would sleep without pillows or I would sleep on my back to hopefully just keep my neck from ever doing that. You know, like, but, yeah. but I don't I don't know. There's no real truth to that. I, I'm just saying that that's what my mental process was. Right. That got me into sleeping on my stomach um, or, you know, on my side, hmm. but, uh, but stomach more. more well, that's interesting. I think what causes that kyphosis, mm-hmm. if we have any chiropractors or spine doctors in our audience, you can way in show at sex and science hour.com but that's right as i understand what causes that is well one is gravity and osteoporosis right if you're if your bones get kind of malleable over time right. you just get kind of hunched over because that's the posture we tend to have and it just gets exaggerated yeah and you can shrink over time because your spine and your vertebrae get compressed if you, especially if you have osteoporosis right so yeah i mean that definitely happened to my grandmother one of my grandmothers um yeah, I mean that makes total sense. I, you know, I, I had the feeling that I wasn't thinking necessarily rationally. It just seemed like yeah, to the but I mean, I me, can, it made sense. I can't imagine that it wouldn't help to do yoga, flexibility exercises, mm-hmm. to every once in a while counteract that hunching over motion in the tech neck that we get by yes. looking down at our freaking phones all the time. Yes, by just stretching up and back and doing a little back bend, right? Doing a back bend nice. in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but you sleep um, on your stomach. And you I recently sleep. Purchased... I am one of those stomach sleepers. Yeah. And and by the way, the saggy tits thing. Let's return to that for a minute. The breasts have suspensory ligaments in them that that keep them up. They're like little pieces of tape that are in the front of the chest that are just holding up your tits. Okay. <laughs> and they're made out of elastin. And collagen, like the rest of our skin. And at, over time, as your skin just in general gets more, less, less, uh, less elasticy, mm-hmm. you know, and more kind of uh, stiff, then those ligaments can get worn out like old rubber bands as well. I, I don't like using that imagery because I feel like it's 
sexist. You know, like anytime you describe any part of a woman as like chewed up bubblegum like they do with virginity, right? Like, mm. oh, it's like used bubblegum, right? <laughs> if you're not yeah. a virgin for your husband on your wedding night, it's like, yeah. used, who wants used bubblegum or some <laughs> shit like that, which is obviously total bullshit. Right. I don't believe that at all. I don't like describing parts of women as old rubber bands, but that is kind of what your skin is like. It's It has a rubber band-like quality where it's an elastic. And over time, it just gets less pliable. And so that's what happens to everything, including those suspensory ligaments in the breasts. Sure. Now, the good news that I've heard is, and I don't know if that's tr- if this is true, but I'm testing it myself, uh, <laughs> is that if you don't wear a bra all the time, ah. you're actually ca- you're actually kind of working those ligaments a little bit. And they, they will respond to that by... Um, upping their game by upping the tension (laughs) yeah okay yeah okay so so this you know this school of thought says that wearing a bra causes saggy tits and you should let them work so that they don't sag (laughs) well i i I, i'm just gonna say i'm guessing it's working (laughs) i don't know i mean i can't really tell but it's more comfortable not to wear a bra quite honestly and i work at home so who who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's just a little just a little fun thing. But so yeah. anyway, I sleep on my front and I have trouble, honestly, finding a pillow that works for me. Mm-hmm. I've tried a bunch of pillows, thin, just regular um, foam pillows that have been worn out and have gotten thin over time. Because, you know, how old pillows get thin like yes. rubber or foam pillows get thin. That's what I, that's what was working for me at first. Then it was just like, I don't know, they they. They have a sweet spot where they're perfect, but on either side of that sweet spot where they're either too fluffy or too thin, yeah. it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I got to try something different. We went to a hotel where they had feather pillows and that worked better for my neck. So I got some feather pillows and you kindly, Brian, got me some satin pillowcases mm-hmm. because that's it goes in with what we talked about last week with the curly hair thing. Right. With curly hair, if you sleep on a cotton pillowcase, it can pull the oils out of it and dry it out. So if you sleep on satin, it actually makes your curls better and more hydrated. So I tried that. And so that that worked well for a while. But then I don't know, I was just waking up with like neck and shoulder pain. And it was just not, I don't know, something wasn't working about those pillows. So I said, okay, I got to replace these pillows. And I, you know, did some research on what pillows are best for front sleepers. And of course, if 15 to 20% of people have this problem, obviously, there are some pillows that are designed for us. So if you're a front sleeper, I have tested three different pillows. And they were they were all good, I have to say. I think any one of those pillows is a good option. Aren't they like bamboo pillows or something? The covers are bamboo. Okay. And of course, you would put a pillowcase over it, but the covers of the pillows are bamboo and for the most part. And the inside of the pillows are memory foam or shredded memory foam. So uh. the difference between that is one is just a block of memory foam and it's like a, the thickness of a thin pillow. Um, so you get that perfect thickness, but you also get the support of your head. And then the other ones are shredded memory foam. That's an interesting material. I've never seen that before, mm. but it's essentially pieces of memory memory foam that are shredded. So no, basically, no matter what, you can get the perfect <laughs> fit for your head. You can yeah. move it around and get something that works for your head wherever, however you're sleeping. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of memory foam, uh, though. I like I, I had a memory foam mattress uh-huh. at one point, and I was like, no, this is just 
just give me a tatami mat to lay on and like yeah for some people it it doesn't provide enough support if you don't get a a firm memory foam and i you and me are thank goodness are very similar in our sleeping habits we both like really firm mattresses yeah we we actually sleep on rock slabs that's uh, right we just sleep in a cave yeah (laughs) Yeah, i would (laughs) (laughs) rock maybe a little too hard but i've definitely had that problem where with a, a a spring mattress in the past i'm sleeping on my front and my back is just sagging because my hips and my belly area and my yeah. abdomen is just is heavier than the the limbs and extremities and the chest so it's sagging down into the mattress and my back is arching and it's causing back pain in the morning so i've had that problem too which i remedied by using a much firmer mattress but great purchase with the pillows the nice pillows work. are all really good so here's the kind of pillows i bought if you're interested in checking them out one was the slim sleeper memory foam and that was a three-inch profile pillow. That's that's the solid piece of memory foam. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's by Delta Comfort Labs. The other one was the original bamboo shredded memory foam pillow. Um, and that was, oh gosh, who makes that? I don't know. It's the original, the original sh- bamboo shredded memory foam pillow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Google it. And uh, <laughs> that is was like a smaller pillow. You know, it's... It's not, it's not a huge throw pillow, you know, that you would, that's like the size that you would have in a luxurious hotel. It's a small one. It was only 20 bucks, but that got the job done. I mean, it's a good pillow. For only 20 bucks. It's just not a very good, it's not a very big pillow, but it was cheap and it has the shredded memory foam and I liked it. So, and then the third one is the Snugglepedic standard size ultra luxury bamboo shredded memory foam pillow. Oh, that's got to cost a hundred dollars. That was 50 bucks. Oh. And but it's bigger and it also has the shredded memory foam. All three of those pillows I thought were very good. Nice. So I'm going to keep all three of them and I'm going to use them. And I might even let you use one, Brian, because I can only use one at a time. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted to try it out. So that was how I solved that problem for myself. There nice. So and what did the people get? What did the people get? Let's let's, let's hear go, from the people. Let's hear from the people. Um, from the proletariat. <laughs> So somebody, it looks like somebody is maybe an amateur podcaster, not amateur, but they're actually maybe a professional podcaster Mm. or they're doing something that requires audio because somebody got the AKG P220 vocal condenser microphone. Oh, very nice. Yeah, AKG is a pretty good brand of microphone. I have not tried or tested this particular microphone, but I'm a microphone geek, so I love it. And it has a carrying case that comes with it. So it it looks like a decent microphone in the $150 range. It was $120. Dollars hmm, with the case, so I yeah I don't know I mean hundred dollar microphones are good for starting out in voiceover or podcasting or whatever they're going to give you a good sound. Um, we are doing this show. I'm doing this show on a five hundred dollar microphone. <laughs> You're doing that sh- the show on a three hundred fifty dollar microphone, and we also have an eight hundred dollar microphone in the studio, the Neumann TLM one hundred two, which is the cheapest microphone that Neumann makes, which rarely uh, gets used. Here. German quality, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which um, I mean, it it rarely gets used in the studio. But I actually could switch to that microphone. I could make that my prime microphone, my primo one. It's just that. What I got that microphone for specifically was traveling because it's small and it can fit in a suitcase or a case. 
And it has the right shape to be able to fit in a travel stand that right. I wanted to use. And it's it's also just a really good microphone that doesn't really need a lot of processing or EQ or anything like that to sound good. It sounds good just all on its own, and it matches my voice really well. So that's why I got that microphone. Yeah. Um, and it is a great microphone, but... You know, this microphone, the RE20 that I'm using, is the $500 microphone. That's an awesome... This is my vocal workhorse microphone that I use every day for voiceovers. And the one you're on is the Shure SM7B mic. Now, that one is not actually my favorite. I got it because it was recommended highly. But sometimes it's like I probably should have gone to a guitar store or something and just oh, tried, tried all it. these out, although I don't know of one near nearby. Because... I just find that I don't like the way my voice sounds on it as much as I do with the other mics. I don't know what it is. Mm. It sounds fine on you. It sounds good on Brett when he's over in our studio. Yeah, it does sound but good. I don't know. It just I don't like my voice on that mic as much. So your mileage may vary with any microphone that you might get. Um, it's probably the same person, although I can't tell. But somebody also got a pop filter, which is a great thing to have. And um, by the way, pop filters help contain plosive sounds so if you're saying that's really annoying i'm sorry you're probably (laughs) blowing people's ears out with that so if you're saying a lot of p's and b's and k's and those sounds um a pop filter is gonna help keep those under control by dampening the sudden puff of air that goes into your microphone right and if you want to double up a pop filter here's a here's a cheap trick you can always put a thin sock or a pair of women's pantyhose doubled up even over your over top of your pop filter to give it a little extra power. Yeah, good tip. Yep. And the person also bought a XLR microphone cable from Hosa. 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 <laughs> so good luck with your podcast or whatever you're starting. Yeah, right on. Um, someone bought a, a computer part. It's a... God, I don't even know what fucking kind of port. It's It's a... It's a PCI controller card with software RAID components by Saiba. All I saw was Saiba, and I thought for sure. Sibian? Yes. I thought somebody <laughs> bought a Sibian through our Amazon link, and I was like, ooh, jackpot. But no, yeah. it was not a Sibian. No, I don't even know if you can get a Sibian on Amazon. That's a good question. You might have to so, get it through the website. I don't someone know. Someone will have to buy it, try and buy one. Yeah. If we'll you want to do out. some research on it, I'm too lazy to look that up. Yeah. Uh, Saiba's been around for a while, and it looks like that's a RAID card. Good thing to have. A Back RAID card. Okay. Back up your hard drives. Yeah, that's right. RAID stands for what? It's a, it's a way of having oh, hard man. drives arranged sort of in parallel. Yeah. Right? And rapid having array. Something. something. Yeah, rapid array something. That's all we I'm need terrible to technology. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, speaking of Google, which we were before, somebody got a $135 Chromebook. Hey. It's a refurbished Chromebook with only a 16 gigabyte hard drive because Google wants all your data in the cloud. It's amazing. But that's okay. We're not going to judge. You know, we're <laughs> <laughs> well, they can still be pretty secure devices, or you know, it only has two gigabytes of RAM. I wonder if you could put more RAM in a Chromebook. Maybe no, no, no you can't. G- okay. Generally, you can. Generally, yeah. you can't. Okay, so well, this might do the job if you're just checking your email and doing some basic computer tasks. This uh, might do just fine for you for under two hundred bucks. What you can get a what kind of computer? You, the fact that you can get a computer yeah. for under two hundred bucks is remarkable. Exactly. Me. I mean, but, that's that is pretty cool. Yeah, like I have a wish list for Sovereign Tech. I've had a two hundred dollar oh, computer yeah. in there forever that I, I like really really need. Um, and I mean. And whatever. Nobody's... Somebody buy this man a computer. <laughs> you know, if you want, if you like our show, if you're listening to Sex and Science Hour, 
and you want to help us out, it, it definitely would help us out for Brian to have a better computer. Yeah, but I mean, like this little $200 jabber, I mean, could really, like it could do a lot. Like I was like, Jesus Christ, it's like for only 200 bucks, this thing, you know. Uh, yeah, you are good just, at finding good quality for a lower budget yeah, stuff, well, I, something I have I to did. admit. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, it's it is trying amazing. not to frame that as a Jew joke of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing what you can get, you know, for, I mean, $135 it for is. any kind of computer. I so mean, where with a Chromebook, you could, you could toss Linux on that and you'd be fine. You can. You can yeah. make a Chromebook with Linux. We actually did that with my Chromebook. Yep. Yep, I have a Chromebook. I can't remember. I think I paid maybe three hundred dollars for my Chromebook, yeah. but that was a couple of years ago yeah. when Chromebooks were pretty new. So, yeah, and we put Linux on it so that it can run Audacity, which is really the only thing I need. Exactly. That's the main thing I need that doesn't run on Android. So or, that doesn't run or on Chrome, Chrome OS, OS yeah. excuse me. So anyway, um, any, anything is possible. There's a world of possibilities. But where would people go if they want to buy you a computer, Brian? Wishlist.zog.ninja. That takes you to my Amazon wishlist. Happy Christmas, Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway. So, yeah, cool. Okay, wishlist.zog.ninja. That's right. Okay, cool. So we have a couple of literary purchases. This is interesting. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce this but somebody brought bought a kindle book called at louche ends l-o-u-c-h-e i don't know what that means but it's probably a pun or a double entendre okay poetry for the decadent the damned and the absinthe minded the absinthe <laughs> yes well so two of those i'm all right with but i won't <laughs> tell you which two have you ever tried yeah. absinthe yes what it's, did you... it's not legal in, in the U.S. No, it's, it's not. It's an Irish drink. I think you can get wormwood, right? Or you used to be able to. I just remember, okay, I have a college story, okay? Yeah. I hope the statute of limitations is up on this, but I wasn't involved. I just saw it. And maybe I'm just making bullshit up on the radio, so who knows? But anyway, when I was in college, I knew someone, someone that lived in my dorm was trying to make their own absinthe. Now, wow. this is probably a really stupid decision because that could be very dangerous. Yes. Like, wormwood is poison, okay? And that's the thing that absinthe is made of. It's this wood, wormwood, and you soak it in alcohol, and apparently it leaches out chemicals that make you have a party if you do it in the right doses or yeah. maybe go insane or maybe even die if you do too much. Right. So this person got wormwood from the internet or somewhere from some herbal shop or something, and mixed it with vodka and then we were trying to use like well not we but they were trying to use like i don't know they were trying to make their own distiller from like a coffee from like a pot of water boiling and a copper pipe that was running through like ice water <laughs> they were trying to distill this absinthe i don't think what they got this, very the 1920s far 20s <laughs> and a speakeasy yeah like, it was 30s, uh, an interesting little kitchen project uh wow so Nobody got hurt, as far as I know. I don't even know if they were successful at making it. I don't think they were, because right. <laughs> it's pretty hard to build a distiller in your college dorm. But anyway, that's what happens if you try to make your own absence. You're probably better off going to France, maybe, or Europe, somewhere where it's legal, and getting the Green Ferry. Yeah, for <laughs> for the record, um, I had it while I was in the military. It's the only time I ever drank in my life. Mm. Um, I am an absolute teetotaler. Mm -hmm. Every other part of I'm my not life, interested except for when in I was in the military. Either. Yeah. So just to be clear on that, how yeah. that happened. Yeah, I don't, if I had the chance to try it, I don't think I'd want to. I don't um, recommend it's it. It's not really my thing. But yeah. anyway, um, some people are, are into that. Somebody is also, oh no, we talked about that last time. So I'll just skip over that. But last thing I'll bring up is somebody is going to be very dry because they got some microfiber travel and sports towels. Have you ever seen these towels 
that sometimes swimmers use them where it's like it's a little towel, but it's it's like a super absorbent. It's like the sham wow for your body. Sham wow. Basically. Like, it just <laughs> it just absorbs everything. It absorbs a ton of water and then you can wring it out and it's ready to go again. And so this is like a little sport towel or travel towel that looks pretty small, but it folds up into a water bottle size container and you can bring it around. It was only uh, like 12 to 20 bucks, depending on what color you want. It's so funny how the, 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 um, the price can vary so much based on the color. <laughs> so somebody bought a, a blue one and a green one. Well, there you go. It may or may not have been the same person. Handy to have. And it's called the Euphoria sport towel or travel towel. Okay. I think I've had enough, Brian. I think we're going to quit and do something else now. So we're at about an hour and 21 with this show. Thank you so much for listening. This was fun. As always, we love to do Sex and Science Hour for you. If you want to help us out, subscribe to our podcast feed, share our podcast feed with your friends so they can subscribe to it too. And uh, well, we'll limit it to one call to action. But do you have anything you want to ask our listeners to do or if they're still listening? Oh yeah, no. Just uh, hit up zog.ninja. That's know, Brian's check site. Check out all uh, all the work. Uh, actually, we were talking earlier about encrypted messaging. Um, I did a whole write up about that uh, on that website, and you can find everything I do there. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, you actually have the dark Android site. Yes, which tells you how to build an encrypted phone. Yeah, you know, or well, encrypted devices. A secure uh, encrypted devices, much. yeah. Yeah, and people can take it to whatever level they want. So yeah, uh, yeah, that is a really cool, valuable resource. So that check out the Dark Android Project at Zog.ninja. Yep. And uh, we're Sex and Science Hour. We'll be back for you next week on Friday. And we can be found in the meantime, if you want to listen to our old shows, at sexandsciencehour.com. Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you later.